Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, gone! Go hey! Gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy and blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live as we get you ready for the A's and the Giants game two of the Bay Bridge series coming up later tonight here on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network. We got Mike Farron from SiriusXM is going to be here at 4.30 and later on today, Sean Manaya, I guarantee you're not going to want to miss this. Sean Manaya is a terrific guy. And I've known Sean for many, many years and very thankful to be able to get a player on game day to get on video and do an interview with the with, with, with us. That that's pretty big. Cuz that's hard to that's hard to get a to, to get a player at any time, but to get a player on the day of the game is not easy to do. I'm literally responding to sending the Giants a thank you. Yeah, yeah, the, definitely. I mean, I could have went through Sean directly, but I was like, you know, what? we're gonna play, we're gonna play it nice. And wow, look at you being politically correct these days. Everybody's trying to mind their p's and q's. Yeah, so telling uh, Matt Chisholm, Chisholm from the Giants, thank you for yeah for helping us with Sean. He Matt does a great job in the Giants when we reach out for Andrew Bailey, our good friend Gabe Kapler, Cappy. Farhan. We've had them all. Yeah, hey, uh, when we get Mike Trout on video on game day? Yeah, well, um, it's hard enough to get Gags on. Gags is no longer with him. I thought he was – he doesn't work in, like, the front office or something now. I don't think Gags is there. Uh, the, well, who's even on the team now that's a former A? I mean, we, we had Kurt Suzuki last year on his farewell tour. That the Angels helped us with that. But yeah, we, I've been trying to get Trout every year since we, we've been doing Ace Cast Live. So the fact that Sean and I did it on game day, pretty cool, and you're going to like it because he's got some nice things to say about his time in Oakland. We'll talk about his no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox 
And talking about his last day, one of the most emotional days that I've ever seen a player have. It was wild. Sean got traded in the morning from the A's to the Padres. Sean was supposed to pitch that day against the San Diego Padres. So Sean came to Ho-Ho Cam and parked in the A's player's lot. He walked in, and as soon as he walked in and everybody saw him and he started walking to his locker, he started to break down in tears. I remember I was – who was I interviewing? Who who do we – who – um. Cow guy. Oh, Dalton Jeffries. Dalton Jeffries. I'm interviewing Dalton Jeffries. So I'm interviewing Dalton Jeffries, and behind us, Sean Murphy is coming up and hugging Sean Manaya, and Manaya is breaking down in tears. And it was like, wow. Like Dalton, like, kind of turned around. How do you keep doing an interview like that? How did anybody, like, everybody, the whole clubhouse just stopped? And so many of the players came over. Because remember, there's now new players in there. They don't even know Shamanaya. But all the existing A's that know Shamanaya, everybody came over, gave him hugs, tears from multiple players. Because, you know, you didn't, get to, you didn't get to say goodbye to Bassett. You didn't get to say goodbye to Chapman or Olsen. This was the one guy that everybody got to say really goodbye to. And... He would leave the, the A's clubhouse, and then he'd pitch against the A's. So you got, you're got you on the A's, supposed to, get, supposed to pitch. You go to bed, you're on the A's, you're going to pitch against the Padres. You wake up the next morning, you're traded. You've got to go into the A's clubhouse, say goodbye to everybody. You've got to go over to the Padres clubhouse. So out comes Sean Manaya, and I ask him about this. You're going you're gonna to love his answer. You come out wearing a Padre uniform with a green glove and green shoes, and you pitch against your team just from a couple hours ago they were your team. Now you're a Padre. It was crazy. And then after, I was in the Padres clubhouse in all my A's gear. They're all, But it's spring training, right? So everybody, like all their players are like, looking, like what are you doing here? And I waited as Shamanaya. I did the interview with Shamanaya. After he pitched, I did the interview with him in the clubhouse. And he was emotional then. I was emotional. It was hard not to be emotional that day. So, Shamanaya will join us a little bit later today on A's Cast Live. And it was great to see him. He is a, um, he's a hell of a guy. I hope he has a long, long career looking at the numbers, using him as ma- mainly a reliever. It hasn't been the best a year. I could Shamanai is definitely someone I could see coming back. There was something about him. Certain players are comfortable in certain organizations, and they perform well in certain organizations. I could see Shamanaya coming back. And we told him we still keep him up on the desk. We still have the no-hitter bobblehead up here for Shamanaya. And uh, we rotate the bobbleheads every so often. Probably should do it more. We're going to get some, you know, we used to have <laughs> Chapman Olsen. Chris Davis. Bob Melvin. Oh, Chris, Chris Davis is still Chris there. Chris Davis is still here. Bob Melvin. KD is still here. Bobby Bob Melvin. Bob down there. So we'll bring Bob out for the Padres series. Oh, no, the Padres series is here. So we'll be up in Oakland. 
I think I think it's I don't think Bob cares. Yeah, probably not. Knowing Bob, I don't think Bob cares. Can we get Bob cares. to sign the bobblehead? Yeah, that wouldn't be a problem, but yeah, I don't <laughs> think Bob cares. <laughs> I don't think he cares. Um there's six days left to the deadline. And we've had some big time baseball news today. A trade just happened too. And did a trade just happen as we were coming on the air? It's confirmed. Uh, the Dodgers, are, this is from Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Pass, and Jesse Rogers from ESPN. Source confirms Dodgers in agreement with Guardians on a trade for Ahmed Rosario pending review of medicals. Uh, Ahmed Rosario had a very good year for the Guardians last year. And a Guardians team that, <clears throat> wait for it, um, they can't score runs, are trading away an offensive player. Yeah. But. He's got a 675 OPS. It's He's down. got three home runs. Yeah, it's down here. Right? So what did you do? You had a good year last year, right? So that's the thing, right? Well, he had Nine triples, 11. 11 home runs last year. He had a 715 OPS, so that is below average. Or a little bit. That's in the low average of average. Well, it does have his war. I would say, what was his war? doesn't have everything. I can tell you what his war is. This year. Career. It is 9.5. This year, minus 0. 0.3. Well, that's not good. So we'll, we'll, we'll update everyone when we get the uh, and return. And then a, a bizarre trade today in baseball. Jorge Lopez, who I wonder if you remember back, he was closing games for the Orioles last year. You wonder if Baltimore, I don't know who the prospects were that they got, and we're going to – Get on to that in a moment. Well, one of them was an all-star this year. Who? uh, Cano, the reliever from Baltimore, who has like an ER under one. That's one guy. But what about what he is and what he's been? He was good for Baltimore. He's been good this year. Lopez? Yeah. Uh, No, he's been. He's got a one. What is it? ERA does he have? No, his ERA is not one. It's it's like close to five. Is it? His ERA this year is 5.09. Oh, I, I was reading something completely different. Yeah, they both have really bad ERAs. Um, they're both about the same amount of money. And they're both negative war players. <laughs> it's both like, what, three-something million each, each yeah, player? Yeah, uh, Jorge Lopez makes $3.53 million. He's not a free agent until 2025, and he's 30 years old. Yeah, one guy, Flo, uh, Florio is 3.9, Lopez is 3.525. It's just interesting. Well, I mean, I don't understand the – the well, they, they did the whole Arise trade, so they, they're they obviously familiar with each other. So not a whole lot of movement, but six days left, a lot of stuff being kicked around, a lot of rumors being kicked around. And it made me think about this, about today's show. And I'm watching MLB Network, and they keep talking about certain players and all these prospects. So you mentioned a player – And what they're talking about is in Chicago, and we mentioned this yesterday on our show. We talked about Stroman. We talked about Cody Bellinger. And the question on whether to keep these guys, and then they're like, yeah, probably uh, Stroman. Stroman's going to get traded. Bellinger, we don't know. But it's for a ton of prospects. Shohei Otani, it's for a ton of prospects. Everybody wants to trade known commodity for a ton of prospects. And it got me thinking today. We are starting to sell that there are far more great prospects. The unknown is greater than the actual players who actually are names, faces, guys with track records in the big leagues. 
we're throwing out this. If, if, if everybody was to be traded that everybody says that should be traded, it's amazing how many great future players there are in minor league baseball when the percentages will tell you that that's not the case. Yeah, I sent you something earlier. The percentages are going to tell you, wait till you see this. The percentages are going to tell you that all these minor league systems, they're not hoarding a bunch of future Hall of Famers like everybody's acting. Everybody's acting like you've got somebody that's about to make money. Maybe you're kind of going into a ri- trade them for all these prospects. The unknown is not as good as everybody's selling it to be. And it's funny because you're like, I was watching MLB Now today, and they're mentioning all these players. Well, you could trade him, trade him for prospects. Trade him, trade him. And, like, I'm noticing they're, they're talking about a lot of different players being traded for prospects. Who are all these prospects? Who are all – I mean, are you, you – we're trying to make that – like, every organization has this pot of gold of prospects that are all the next great players in the game when the percentages say – most of these guys you trade for, they'll be dogs with fleas. There was a tweet that went out but right after the draft. Uh, the last 10 years of drafts and the percentage of each MLB team's picks that made it to the majors for any team. The highest, the Astros had 329 draft picks, 77 reached the majors. That means that was 23% of their draft picks that made it. So the best. The best. The lowest. Hold on. Okay. Set it up a little yeah. bit. Let it breathe. Yeah. Relax. Dodgers second We're best. We're trying to, to sell a story here. The team that drafted and sent the most guys to the big leagues is at 24%. 23. 23. I thought it was 24. 23. Houston's at 23. 23. 23. Now, think about that. Who lives on that kind of margin? You draft how many guys at 23% work? Like, you go out and hire... As a business, you hire 300-and-some people for your company and only 23% end up working. Is that a good ratio as an employer? No. No? I want everybody to think about it. As you hear everybody, hey, Trey, like like we've talked about on the Clubhouse Show, when people call in, 833-625-2278, trade a Letmus Diaz. Okay, we're saying the Houston Astros have been the best at drafting players, and they make it to the big leagues, and it's only 23%. We're not talking star in the big leagues. We're not saying having great careers. We're saying guys they drafted, 23% made it, just made it. So they could add a cup of coffee. Most of those guys aren't long-term players. Yeah, no. Um, when, uh, a lot when of them are pitchers. Guys will come up. Guys get hurt. So, so but, It's essentially a fourth of their draft picks over the last 10 That's years. the very best. Yeah. Go to the A's. Uh, well, hold on. Let's set up the top five. We'll tell the story more. Dodgers, second best. 67 guys reached it. That's 20%. Yankees. Second best is only 20%. Yeah. Yankees also 20%. For how many years? Uh, last 10. So in the last 10 years, only 20% of the guys that the Dodgers. Yankees. Both 20%. And Yankees have hired. Right? I'm looking at I'm trying to equate this to a normal workforce. Yeah. Right, twenty percent of the guys I, out of all the guys I've hired, only in the last ten years, only twenty percent worked out. Fourth was the Guardians; they had sixty guys reach it. That's eighteen percent. The Twins, Twins, Pirates, and Mariners all have seventeen percent. 
Then you go to the very bottom, the New York Mets at number 30. 9% of their players made it to the majors. So in the last 10 years, 9% of the Mets. That's 30 guys. Of the guys. people that, let's say, I was training. Because I get that's without what you equate to a business. These are people you yeah. hire and train. I think that's a fair. I think it's fair. And only nine percent in the last ten years, the Mets people they train made it into the company. Yep, that's nine percent. That's thirty of three hundred twenty-eight. Uh, next lowest. Well, you know what? The other question would be, how much money did the New York Mets spend? In making that happen. How much did you spend on your minor league system? How much money did you spend on coaches? How much money did you spend on insurance? How much money did you spend on signing bonuses? How much money did you spend on travel? The process. I was talking about the process last night on the clubhouse show. We're so enamored with the process. How much money did the Mets spend the last 10 years on development of their own draft picks and only 9% at least made it to the big leagues. Could have been a lot. Wouldn't you be interested in that number? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, let me just give you the bottom five. Uh, we'll you, you are hell-bent on getting these out. Well, I'm just like – Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The, uh, surprisingly, Orioles not in the bottom five. Well, most of the guys are going to know. Uh, Giants were 20 – Giants are at 13%. The Brewers are at 12%, and there's an even more alarming set. Over the last 25 years, the Brewers have not had a single guy drafted in the first round play a full season in Milwaukee is what someone tweeted out. It's pretty staggering. It's, it's so telling. Like, Was Ryan Braun not a first-round pick? Cause I once like again, I, we have all these people right now who are telling us how important minor league systems are and prospects are, and that you need to get rid of players to replenish your minor league system, and you're telling me the Brewers, for 25 straight years. I already shot a hole in it. Braun was a first-round pick. Okay, one. That's only one I can think of right now. Corbin Burns wasn't a first-rounder. I mean – Garrett Mitchell's hurt, so he's not. He doesn't count. So if we went through that list, you found one. But how much money did you yeah. spend? And you got that. This is what gets me about the Met. What, what are the aides? What are we? The aides are second lowest. Uh, Thirty-eight of three hundred thirty-one draft picks made it, or eleven percent. So in the last ten years, eleven percent of the guys we have trained have made it. Eleven percent of the A's draft picks in the last ten years have made it to I, the major leagues. I find that like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow Mike Farron to explain. Because Mike Farron, who Power Alley, it's one of the best shows, kind of my morning show when I'm kicking around, whether I'm going to play golf or i got errands to run. Uh, I, I, I don't listen to terrestrial radio anymore. Ever since I left terrestrial radio and I got my car and I got Sirius XM, and then, of course, your subscription to Sirius XM ends, and I'm like, uh, I love this thing. So I pay for it. And you, I can get it on my phone. I can get it on Alexa. And uh, between baseball and the NFL channel, uh, all the music channels, comedy channels are funnier than hell. Um, I love SiriusXM. Never ha- had never had it before, but I absolutely love it. And their show, because he does it uh, with Jim Duquette, the former general manager. 
So you got a former general manager and Mike Farron, a longtime broadcaster, play-by-play guy, covered the game for a long time. Does a lot of college baseball. Does a lot of uh, minor league stuff. And going to kick it around to him. And I got to. And I want to talk to a guy that I have the most respect for as a scout, Shooty Babbitt. Like, what is this theory that you've got all these guys in Major League Baseball, and the theory now is you can just trade everybody for this endless amount of prospects? And I'm wondering, is there that many good prospects out there, or are we just wishing on a star? Like, what, 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 what is the reality? Because your numbers are telling me in the last 10 years, the majority of the guys you draft will not get to the big leagues, at least with you. And I think it's pretty consistent. Like, when the best team's 23% and the worst team's 9%, that means a lot of the guys that you're drafting aren't making the big leagues, but yet right now at this time of the year, we're propping these guys up. We're acting like, oh, we're getting all these prospects. Right? We're getting all these guys, and look how great they're going to be. How many times have we, just think as A's fans, been sold that? Right? Mark Mulder's traded for. Tim Hudson's traded for. Mark McGuire's been traded. I mean, you can go down the line. Guys have been traded, and just the odds are these guys that you trade for, they're not going to live up to the hype. Some, very, you know what, a low percentage will. A low percentage. Does it help your depth? Does it help your rankings in the minor league system? Yeah, but you know what? You're now looking at what? Bob Estes from the, <laughs> from the Matt Olson trade. You're so Joey Estes. Joey Estes. Who's Bob? Bob Estes, Bob Estes was the golfer. Uh, did, Joey are you combining him and Sean Estes in the one? Or? The great Sean Estes. <laughs> uh, Christian Pache, when he first started out, it's like, oh, my God, he's Willie Mays. Uh, Franklin Barreto. Oh, my God. Frank, we're not doing the Josh Donaldson deal unless Franklin Barreto is in the deal. Franklin Barreto has to be a part of this deal. Derek Barton. Because we heard, we heard. Derek Barton was a uh, in the Cardinal. Was he in the McGuire trade? No, no, no. Uh, not McGuire. He was in the uh, Mulder. Mulder. Trade? I think he was in the Mulder trade. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He wouldn't be old enough for that. He would, <laughs> that's T.J. Matthews and those guys. Um, think about that. They were. We were sold that we're not going to trade Donaldson to the Blue Jays until they threw Franklin Barreto in, and they threw Franklin Barreto in, and the whole front office went, "What? You're going to give in Franklin Barreto?" <laughs> This is his, take Donaldson. I know he's going to win the MVP. I know he's going to get the most votes in the All-Star game. I know Josh Donaldson can really, really play. He's a pain in the ass. I love him. He's a pain in the ass. And But, by the way, he's a tough guy who comes to play every day and he holds people accountable like a Josh Reddick. But we're going to give that to you. Why? Franklin Barreto. We got Franklin Barreto. Did you hear that? We got Franklin Barreto. Guys, guys, we got Franklin Barreto. Who else is in that deal? Sean Nolan. Uh, Kendall Graveman. Oh, and uh, Brett Laurie. Brett Laurie chomping his fingers like a freak show. Kendall Graveman went on to have the best career. Uh, Nolan, I want to say, went to the Rockies and pitched in AAA for him. Nice guy. I think he he was out of the the sport not not much longer after. Uh, Nolan... I mean, Nolan's younger than I am. Uh, Nolan, oh, wait, he pitched in a game for the Marlins this year. He's back. Back the truck up. Back the truck up. We are. 
He's back. He's back. He's on the. He's on. He's in the minors. He's on the seven day injury list. But he's back. How he, old, was he? Thirty three. Thirty four. He's thirty three. Yeah, he's born in eighty nine, so he's a year younger than me. Uh, yeah, thirty three. He pitched in uh, one game. He pitched in three innings. Gave up six runs. Sean Nolan, I apologize. He he's was back so, from the dead. He twenty fifteen. He was with the A's at twenty five. Out of the sport until twenty twenty one. Appeared in. Ten games for the Nationals at age 31, and then he appeared again for the Marlins two years later this year. Yeah, I remember he was in the Rockies AAA for a time being. Good for him. Still living that dream, but it just goes to show. Remember that trade? What did the A's get out of that? Where's Franklin Barreto now? Um, hold on, I'm looking. Uh, he was He's in J- not in the Angels system anymore, right? He was in Japan. He was with Colorado, then with the White Sox. I'm, looking, I'm sorry, I'm still looking at Nolan. Uh, get off Nolan. Uh, Franklin, Franklin Barreto. Barreto. Oh, he's going to be the next star. He's going to be a great player. Franklin Barreto currently is, uh, well, uh, hasn't played in the majors since 2020. Barreto hasn't been in the majors since no. 2020. He's only 27. Well, uh, dude, he's been kicking He's around. playing. He's actually played in, he played in 29 games with the Nationals minor league system. Wow. And then he was in the, he's in the independent scene. So I think he might be in the independent scene now. Is something wrong with Rojas in L.A.? Is he hurt? Uh, I thought he was playing today. Well, why would you get Rosario? Uh, they sent they sent what's his name down too, uh, Vargas before he was. Remember the guy that always walks. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see what the return is. Maybe they gave up Vargas in the deal. Uh, let's see. Okay, Lance Lynn's still pitching tonight. Now that was the other thing to watch tonight, Lance Lynn. This is this is is this his last start in Chicago? I thought he might not even make the start, but ah, I thought he'd be pulled. Yeah, no one has the return yet for the uh, Rosario trade for the Dodgers, so we'll I'll, we'll monitor. Well, let's bring in. Let's. let's I mean, I've, I buttered him up enough about how great he is. His show, Sirius XM. I mean, women want to be with him. Men want to be like him. All that kind of stuff. I mean, he was the voice of the WBC, right? I mean, so it's like he's he's like an international rock star now. Correct. Well, he's here now. Oh, hey. What's up, Farron? How are you? Well, I mean, I, you know, I'll always have time for the little people uh, in this world. Seriously, I mean. So there's nobody littler than you. Yeah, this this is this isn't Team Japan here, and everybody's watching over in Tokyo. We're just this little thing called A's Cast Live, but we appreciate up, your time. How are you? I'm good. I just got back from the old ballpark where I was trying to learn a few things about the upcoming trade deadline uh, in anticipation of this spot, because I wanted to bring you the freshest information. Are you breaking that the Diamondbacks are trading for Shohei Otani? No, because I'm not an idiot. Oh, okay. What are they saying over there? I mean, they're just like, what are they saying? Well, they want to be aggressive on the pitching front. They're looking for relievers. The Cardinals have a number of pitchers that are of interest to a bunch of teams. That's basically what I can give you. Well, yeah, I was thinking about you today. I'm watching MLB Network, and it, it's like everybody is like, hey, this guy, hey, you got to trade him. This guy, you got to trade him. We're trading for – you know, you want to trade him for prospects. And I just start to think, like, we just went over, like, the New York Mets in the last 10 years, only 9% of the guys that they have drafted have actually made it to their club. And I just start to think, like, we're acting like everybody's got this pot of gold of prospects that you can trade for. Is there really that many prospects that are worth trading for out there in minor league baseball if you have a good major league player? 
I mean, I think it just kind of varies, right? So, like, it it's it it all depends. Like for those superstar players, you're almost never going to get the same level of return that you would based on just playing them for two months, even if you're out of the race. Now that said, you know, are you able to get more than you would get if you attach draft pick compensation to them? Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of where that discussion is, is it's, are you getting more valuable players for your organization, whether they pan out to be big leaguers or end up being trade chips than otherwise Then sure. I think that's the case. And I think with, you know, guys on expiring contracts, I mean, I think it's a way for teams to add depth to their organization overall. And I think there are some teams that are really good at identifying hidden gems in other systems. Um, so it's a worthwhile it's more than a worthwhile thought experiment. It's worthwhile for teams to do with certain players. The problem is, is that we have decided as an industry that what we're going to cover is the minutia of stuff that really is insignificant. You know, like the, the Otani discussions about, you know, like I'll pick on John Palmarosi because he's a friend of mine and I'm, I'm happy to pick on <laughs> him all the time. But like, like I love JP, but like the Diamondbacks and, and Orioles are interested in Shohei Otani the other day. Whoa, stop the presses. No kidding. Contending team interested in acquiring good player, you yeah. know, or, you know, John Heyman the other day, whether there's the pirates are willing to listen on David Bednar and Mitch Keller. Show me the names on the Pirates roster that they're not willing to listen to player to, to trade discussions on, and I'll show you an empty sheet. I mean, I think that goes for just about everybody. So we're so thirsty for this, what feels like information and is really infotainment, in part because front offices are much more quiet about what they are doing than they have been before, and it fills this information vacuum, and then they get ticked off about it because there's there's – only a modicum of truth to any of this. So that's my, my theory today was you should appoint an assistant general manager of comms whose job is to just set the record straight off the record on what teams are actually involved in and what they're not like that would save a lot of time and energy and make this a lot better process than what we're just throwing darts at an invisible dartboard. Basically. I love infotainment. That's what it is. I love that. it gets clicked, right? It gets success. Like, I love trade season. Like, I love it. But I want to be able to talk about it realistically and not create these false expectations that end up driving lousy phone calls on a sports talk show for three hours. Sorry. Well, some of us have to take those phone calls. I mean. Not all of us can be these rich. Oh, in your, lousy. We're not in. In our rich ivory tower in New York City in Manhattan with your fancy GM partner. I mean, I, I will say A's fans are never lousy callers. They're always extremely smart. Everyone oh, yeah. knows that they guy. are smarter and better looking Look at than guy. the average sports fan. Thank you very much. You know, we appreciate Well, we're an educated group out here in the Bay Area. At least we yes, think we are. you are. <laughs> I have not figured out a way for us to get Shohei Otani, by the way. I've been trying to figure it out. I, I just want to let you know there's no infotainment here on Ace Cast Live. I've Can you not, trade Cody straight up for him, do you think? Oh, I would have traded Cody and I would have trade can I I, I would have started with Cody. I would have go I would go with Lemus Diaz next. 
Jace Peterson, and maybe have thrown in Tony Camp, but I might have been well, too high. Might have been too wait high. Wait a second. Like, I think if you could just trade Cody for him, then at least you get him for A's cast for two months before he hits free agency. Farron, my wife would be so excited if I was if I was trading. She's an Angels fan, so she would be uh, over the moon if I was down in Orange County. Well, yeah, well, you know, they don't travel their radio broadcast, so you're screwed there. Yeah, well, they'll do it from home. Well, he's having his COVID <laughs> shot. He could go. <laughs> yeah. he could. Well, they don't travel their radio broadcasters, though. They well, just don't, which is that, ridiculous. Well, the start, start of that was they didn't have COVID shots, or one of them didn't. Oh, no, 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 no. Right? This was not. You know, and that then it got the case, to. But this is a we are saving money, a small amount of money, but not traveling our radio broadcasters and disrespecting our fans. That's what it is. I tell you, I'm not going to be any shocked about people traveling uh, in the next five years. Our industry, I mean, it's crazy. What 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 we could see, especially on the radio side, in the next five years. Wow. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think the know. two that are doing it are outliers on it. Um, I think if you're interested in keeping your fans engaged with the product, the expense of doing that is so minimal that it's like it's barely a line item. I think there's going to be some ch- there are obviously huge changes that are coming in TV, but oh, like, boy. just but remote broadcasting for teams. If that happens, you are just absolutely destroying your product. You are doing the dumbest thing you can on what is a relative pittance compared to what the rest of the budget is. It is beyond stupid to do it for a team. Beyond stupid. Yeah, I did. I didn't. You know, it all kind of started. We Bally's. Then we heard about the Padres. Then it was the D-backs. Then I heard about the Rockies and AT&T Sportsnet or whatever the hell they call it. Then our buddy Jeff Blum was just in town. And he was talking about it in Houston. Uh, you know, we, we were at the winter meetings when Madford, Manfred was saying, hey, listen, we'll get to Manfred in a second, too. But when he said, hey, cable television is not the future of Major League Baseball, I know that, you know, it's. you think about Sirius, you think about XM, you think about how they battled each other for years and we didn't know if they were going to make it. You got to pay for it. Now it's strong. It's been doing well. I know there's been some hurdles, but for the most part, I still subscribe because of the Power Alley. I still pay my monthly. Um, but, yeah, how we view baseball is changed. We know we're still going to get it on this. We know we're still going to get it on our phones and our tablets, and that's what the way it is going. But isn't it crazy mm-hmm. how fast it's changing? Well, I think, yeah, 2020 was an inflection point for something that was coming down the road anyway, right? And so, you know, what you're seeing is um, – you know, sports teams and leagues dealing with legacy media shifting, right? It's not unlike what we saw with newspapers 20 years ago and the shift to more digital print. And the question is, how do you make the money that you are making now? Because what what these regional sports networks have been paying teams is an astronomical fee every year. And it's mostly predicated on people who aren't interested in buying the product, having to buy the product as part of the cable bundle. Right. I mean, that's Correct. a great yeah. deal for the consumers, like for, for the, the clients like that. Um, so now how do you get that? And I think one of the things that you're going to see is a greater emphasis on reach. You know, I literally, I, it just, I had a lot of conversations at the ballpark today, and one of them was about this, or a couple of them were about this, in part because the Diamondbacks are one of the teams that has now uh, been 
separated from their contract with the regional sports network, in this case, Valley Sports Arizona, and had Major League Baseball take over their broadcast. They're like the Padres in that regard. Um, and where the future goes. And one of the things that everybody is watching very closely is what happens with two NBA teams and an NHL team, the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, and the Vegas Golden Knights are all going to over-the-air broadcasts for their games, which is going to significantly significantly expand their reach. And what I mean by over the air, I'm talking yeah, about more like, traditional what you, TV channels. You, you know mean like I, mean? I hook up my my rabbit ears again? Yeah. I got I got to go, well, where are my rabbit I, I got to have them somewhere. My- <laughs> They're also part of your basic package in, you know, whatever, whether you're streaming or a linear bundle, right? A, a cable or satellite yeah. bundle, or if you're doing a streaming one. And that reach is going to be a significant part of this future, I think, for sports teams and sports leagues in that not everybody has been able to access all these. I mean, look, look, we went almost 10 years with the Dodgers not being on most of the TV networks or most of the TV carriers in LA. I mean, that's not good for the sport overall in their health. It was good for their bottom line in terms of what they made with those RSN deals. But, but I think there are going to be some bright spots that come out of this in market streaming, albeit for a fee is going to be one of them. Um, I think reach is going to be another, which, you know, well, again, we're going to have to dip into our pockets for some of that as fans, we are going to have better access to a lot of the product, and I think that's important. Well, here's my question because it kind of takes me back to like when we were kids. If baseball goes back to regular television, non-cable television, is Johnny Carson still going to come on after the game? Well, that's a good question. I Probably not. He's dead, Chris. Ah. <sighs> Remember the Tonight Show, how great that used to be years ago? Oh, yeah. Your parents would let you stay up? Is there (laughs) anything else you'd like to talk about? Do you remember rotary phones? I mean, if Don Rickles can come out and they're smoking cigarettes on a talk show, the good old days, Farron. Speaking of the commissioner, because obviously he's a uh, not a popular character around these parts. Really? And there were a lot of people who wanted to sell you that he could be in trouble. He was voted again. I know, I know. Don't shoot, don't shoot me. I, I'm just the guy doing ace cast. And I would listen to it. I would bite my lip. But people were honestly in our area trying to sell that, well, because of what's going on with Oakland and da-da-da-da-da, that he could be in trouble. And I had the whole time bit my lip going, you're selling something that's not true. He is still going to be the commissioner. He got an extension. They all voted for it today. Explain to everybody What's going on? So this was the first day of an 18-month period before the end of his contract. Um, there's 18 months ago on his contract. There's a nine-month period where only a majority vote needs to carry in order to to extend the commissioner, and that's where we are. So he got another four years tacked onto his deal through 2029. And the commissioner, in the sense that he has made money for his uh, bosses, who are the 30 owners, has been extremely successful in that regard. So there were very few chances that this was not going to happen. There would have needed to be an 11th hour scandal that could not have been foreseen for that to happen. And I just don't, as much as, as Rob Manfred is an imperfect public figure in the way he goes about things. I do not think that he is living at least to the best we can, any of us can tell a scandalous life or doing anything untowards behind the scenes. What he is is a very good labor attorney who represents management in labor 
negotiations. And he's been very good at that over the course of his career. So all of the stuff that's happened with EA is while it has been unfortunate in the way it's played out. And while he has not necessarily made things feel better for A's fans or really anybody else um, with the way he's handled the comments, we're going to have a minimal impact The the, the fact is, is that he has overseen record revenues for this sport over the course of his tenure. And even with the RSN failings, which again are going to make a major hit to revenues. I mean, major, we're talking probably two and a half to $3 billion a year that at least a portion of his influx. Um, the feeling is, is because he has spent the most time on trying to figure out the best solution that the path forward is going to be better. There's going to be some short-term bumps in the road, but long-term things are going to be fine for the sport. And so that's really why Rob Manfred was, was reelected today from the owner's standpoint, he has done a terrific job. Even if, if there are a number of fans and, and outside of Oakland too, that quibble with his bedside manner. I cannot see any scandal coming up on Rob Manfred. Like I couldn't, I just don't, yeah, he's like family guy, loves his kids, loves golf. Like he's just not warm and fuzzy. This right? isn't gonna like, be that's... Marv this isn't gonna be Marv Albert. No offense, Marv. <laughs> no. But remember I mean, like, with Marv, just... you're like, Marv Albert likes what? He does what? Well, I mean, like, listen, I yes. don't think he's like I, I just think he's a guy that because he's I have a little bit of empathy in this. I get frustrated with things that the commissioner says too. And it's more about the tone and the way that things come across. I try to remember that he had spent zero days in his upbringing trying to be ready for public life. Right. And then when you become commissioner, all of a sudden, everything you do is under a microscope. And I also am the son of an attorney. So when he has a snarky comment a little bit, and usually it has to do with something that is speculative. You grew up with that. <laughs> I understand it a little bit, right? Now, my dad isn't quite as snarky there, but they do hold some things pretty close, which is like attorneys do not do very well with speculative questions. They want to deal in facts, right? Like they want to be able to deal in things. And there are things that... I'm sure that he feels like he has to do that may not be his personal preference because of who he represents, but that's his job is to take care of the 30 owners and to be a representative for them specifically in, in labor negotiations and in organizing and, and helping to oversee the negotiation of, uh, of contracts. So, um, you know, whether it be TV or whatnot. So I, I really think it's, you know, this was a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, from that standpoint, he has been successful in his job. Um, I wish he was a little bit better at the softer side of the gig. That's something I've wished for, for a long time because it doesn't always make you feel good. Adam Silver make does the same things, but he makes you feel good about base about basketball, right? Like that's, that's the, th the difference is that Adam Silver's, comes across as much more empathetic in person than the commissioner Manfred does. And that's just the difference in his personality. I'm not going to, you know, like there's only so much you can fault him for that. You know, it's kind of like we all just learned something about ourselves. Like we just, you know, we're talking to a psychologist, you know, my dad was a career restaurant guy. Now I know why he treated me as an employee. <laughs> now I get it. Now I was like, he could hire and fire me and make me do whatever I want. So now I get it. Now my late father, I, 
if it what if Mike Farron would have been around when my father was alive, I I, I would have understood more. Thank you. I is this I, I why you make that. Cody do the dishes? <laughs> or you're out of here. What? You're out of here. I'll get somebody else. Craigslist in two seconds. Um, and, and I like how you put that too because I'm having to do that now with a lot of our players where they do stuff in games and then after the game they talk to the media and they're not good at it and then I have to respond to it and that's where mm-hmm. I have to remind everybody that these guys this isn't like college basketball where you make a run on CBS and TNT and whatever during the tournament and you're dealing with media or college football you're used to playing in the SEC or the Big 12 or Pac-12 championship game then playing in a bowl game talking to media our guys are minor leaguers who are young some are not even English as their first language. And next thing you know, yeah. boom, we pop them up to the big leagues and we got microphones and cameras in front of them. And we expect them to be able to detail their their failure in a very good way and explain it. And sometimes they don't explain it well. It seems like they're not owning up to it. And it's just not the case. We don't have media training in baseball. So these guys yeah. haven't been trained to deal with the media after the game, especially when they've failed. I think it's a really good point and i think it's something that actually has gotten better over the years i think i think most young players especially in the u.s have come up under more media attention i don't want to say scrutiny but whether they're playing in perfect game events or they're playing in the southeastern conference or the acc they are dealing with media members and questions from the media far more than they were 15 or 20 years ago. And in that sense, I feel that they are significantly more polished. That said, if you are a competitor or care about your job at all and you make a mistake and 20 minutes after you may have made a mistake that helped to lead to the downfall of your coworkers, somebody's putting a microphone in your face to ask you why you failed. That's a very uncomfortable situation. And it's one that you have to get comfortable with and you don't get comfortable with until it happens to you. I'm a Big believer. I didn't realize we were going to get so philosophical today, Tony. But like, we learn a lot more from. Okay, our fine. All right, all right. Well, here's what we'll do. Where's Otani getting traded? Is that what everybody wants? Yeah, we're we are far better. We are far more far better at at learning from our failures uh, and our shortcomings than we are at learning from our successes. And so when players have struggles on the field and then they struggle to answer the questions afterwards, the hope is that they learn from that, and the next time. They have a little bit better response or a better answer, but they go through it because they haven't been through it before. Cause you're right. There's not, if you struggle in Vegas for the aviators, you there's a good chance. Nobody's covering you. Right. Uh, but you come to the big leagues and you struggle. There is you know, even the 10th largest market in the U S that has newspaper writers, TV people, radio people that are there asking you questions about why it went wrong. And it just takes a little bit of time. And that's a real struggle with a young team too. And especially one that has had, you know, a, a a number of struggles this year like the A's players have. Uh, we're finding out it's Noah Syndergaard is going to be going to the Dodgers, to the Guardians, according to Ken Rosenthal. So we'll keep you updated on that trade between the Guardians and the Dodgers. I, I want to ask you about, you know, when, when, where we are with six days left. And there's still questions on for some teams because there's so many teams bunched up. What do you think about front offices right now? Six days left. Am I am I in or am I out? Am I am I a dealer or am I selling? Do you think there are still teams that are torn right now with only six days left, 
trying to figure out who are we. Are we a contender? Are we a pretender? I think teams are still dealing with that six days to go. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably like two teams that are actually dealing with it. We actually went through this exercise this morning on, on the radio, and really I think it's kind of like the Cubs and the Mets, right? The Cubs, I don't know that anybody um, expects them to be a postseason team, but they're, what, five back in the wild card race, right? So they're right there coming into play tonight. Um, the Mets, you know, it's a little bit different situation in that they have a roster that is largely underachieved, at least by our, our external and their internal projections. Um, and so, you know, do they feel like they can put themselves in a position over the last two months to be competitive? Maybe. Um, not to mention that really the only player that they have that I think would net a significant return who's likely to be dealt or would potentially be dealt would be David Robertson. So I think you have a lot of those teams that are kind of in the middle whose preference is to buy. I think what's interesting, and we saw this earlier today with the Miami trade, and actually we saw it right now with the, the Dodgers trade, right, is that you have two teams that are – willing to do need for need deals, right? Dodgers needed right-handed hitting infielder, especially one who could play shortstop. The Guardians are in desperate need of pitching depth for the first time in seemingly a bazillion yeah. years. So, and the contract probably lines up pretty well between Syndergaard and Rosario, right? So that's where that trade is. Today, you know, Jorge Lopez has really struggled as a twin. He has an extra year of control left. Dylan Floro's peripherals are better than what his numbers are. Both those teams are in contention. It's a change of scenery for two guys, right? And so you see that trade. And I think that's something that's worth watching over the course of the next several days is how many teams that are in contention deal with other teams that are in contention. Because just in the conversations that I've had over the course of the last month, it seems like that is a much greater focus than it, it has been in the past. And as a fan, I should really love those deals. I wish there were more of them in the winter um, because those need for need deals are they're major leaguers for major leaguers. Right. And yeah. that's what gets you excited about the way your team is involved, evolved more than the uncertainty that comes with trading with players who haven't achieved their like achieved some level of a major league career. Well, we were talking about with Fred McGriff. We were talking about McGriff and Tony Fernandez for Joe Clark and Roberto Alomar back in the day, Padres and Blue Jays. And and the reason why we even got to there, and we'll end on this, we appreciate your time, obviously, is uh, Dave, our own Dave Stewart said on A's pregame live where he was talking about, and Dave put on his old GM hat where he said, you know, how about A.J. Preller's always willing to deal, and you throw Trout into the deal – Trout for Tatis because you're kind of going money for money there. And then you take whatever prospects for Otani. And so they were kicking that around. So then I went, well, you know, why don't we just, if we're going to play that game, why don't we kick in if you're Anaheim and you're thinking, okay, I need more. We, we got to go more. All right. How about Soto comes over? How about you take Tatis, Soto, both younger, the deal's cheaper, and prospects for Otani and Trout. How about that? <laughs> I didn't start it. I was just completing the deal. A.J. Preller, Perry Manassian, Angels, Padres, blockbuster, player for player. It's creative. 833-625-2278. How do you feel about it? <laughs> I don't think that's uh, – I, I think that's not going to be – 
um, you don't think that happens to happen. Do you? No, I mean, I think the, the whole thing with Otani is like, well, first of all, Otani's not getting traded. I mean, I've said that all along as it stand right now. Like, it's also like, come on, like, like there are a lot of things we can criticize Artie Moreno for, and we just did for not traveling the radio broadcasters, right? And they have had Trout and Otani for six years, and they have not. How about, I mean, if you really want to dig in, how about the absolute failure of buying a radio station that you could have made something really special and you've just screwed the whole thing? They could have called me and I could have helped him out with it. There's a lot of things that he's done wrong and there's a lot of reasons to criticize him. Not trading Otani would not be one of those reasons because he's the biggest draw in the sport. They generate millions of dollars of advertising revenue from him as well. Will you get on here, Cody? Like this is this is a major. I want you to hear. I've been saying this. I'm like all these baseball nerds who oh you need to go get prospects. I'm like he generates so much income, especially international dollars, and the amount of money you're going to make off him in the next two months if he just happens to chase Aaron Judge's AL record because doing the WBC so much that the Angels can't ever give that up. Right, it's huge. When you guys were doing the WBC. Uh, in Japan, 90% of those last two games, 90% of all televisions in Tokyo, Japan, were watching. He is yeah. worth so much money, you'd be an idiot to give that up for some prospects. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Absolutely. Like, imagine if you were in a deal where where it was like, let's say, and I thought Tim Britton did a really good job of this in The Athletic, like, use history as your guide. The closest you can come, because he's a hitter and a pitcher, is like, okay, let's say what the Nationals got in return for Scherzer and Turner, right? Now, granted, Trey Turner had another year of control left, so maybe it would be less than this, but the headliners in that deal were, were – um, Ruiz, the, their catcher, who's a nice player, just signed a contract extension, um, has really struggled defensively this year and hasn't developed quite yet offensively. And Josiah Gray, who was an all-star this year, but is kind of more like a back-end starter. Like, that's if that's you okay with that that being the return for two months of Shohei Otani? Like, to me, it doesn't seem worth that based on the fact that for two more months, Angels fans get to see him. You are putting butts in the seats. If you're a businessman, you're trying to make money on that, right? And so there's a chance there. And also, like, the only people that are saying that Shohei Otani isn't going to re-sign with the Angels are people who are not privy to the conversations with the Angels and Otani's people. Like, we have this feeling, because Otani has said it, that he wants to win. But what if the Angels show enough progress this year and write a big enough check that he's willing to stay? Like, that's something that is a real possibility. He plays in the second largest market in the U.S. He has major exposure. He has major brand deals as a result of that. And one of the reasons he chose the Angels in the first place was that it wasn't quite as, uh, there wasn't as much spotlight on him there as there was in the Dodgers. It's a little bit different dynamic when you're in Orange County versus L.A. proper. And so there's a number of different things that could be factors in this. I think it's foolish to count the Angels out. They already have paid Mike Trout the richest contract in in baseball history. Why wouldn't they want the guy that is generating a ton of income? The only guy that is generating a ton of the off field income for teams. Like he is he is the re, he is the one bright shining light. Return on investment. He is the guy. I, I apologize for keeping you so long, but I listen no, to no, I don't care. I listen to your show and then I can't talk to you. I like I want to talk to you, but I can't talk. This is the only chance I get. I mean, you have my phone number. Well, I want to call you while you're talking on the show, and that wouldn't be correct. I just text well, you. You just wait till ten. Yeah. 
Just wait till 10. When do you get off the golf course? And then you can call me. Well, I'm a little busy. They, see, that's the office, my friend. That's the office. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the office. The big deals are being made there. Well, uh, thank you very much. You know how much respect we have for you and your show. We talk well, about you guys all the time. We promote you. You guys are second to none. Your partner's fantastic. And uh, I tell everybody, uh, Sirius XM, please get out there. You guys you guys are worth a subscription, no question about it. Your guys' channel. We're going to have Spillborgs on uh, on Friday. We'll have Spilly on. Borgsy? We're going to talk uh, Rocky's A's on a Only Friday. Only if you refer to him as Borgsy the entire time. Does he like that? Doesn't matter. Okay. It'd be better if he didn't like it. If it was like, why does he keep doing that? (laughs) You know, I love you guys too. And I love, I love what A's cast has done. It is the, it should be the model for the way teams try to connect with their fans going forward. And you guys are great. And should we go back to the moronic callers now? You don't have moronic callers. A's fans aren't morons. Well, we don't take we callers. Know that. We don't take callers on this show, so we can joke about it. That's after the game. Oh, you don't. That's after no, the okay. game. That's after the game. Well, and those people, those are smart fans too. Well, that's debatable. you have to be a smart fan to be an A's fan. That's debatable. Cody, you have to be a smart fan to be an A's fan, right? <laughs> uh, I don't have to screen those calls, fair, and I'm done by then. So. <laughs> you guys don't have to deal with it. I do. My days of screening phone calls are over. But uh, thank you for helping me with my father issues, and uh, we will talk to you soon. <laughs> hey, anytime you need therapy, you call me. All right, buddy. Be well. See you, boys. The great Mike Farron right here on A's Cast Live. So now you know. So what did your dad do for a living, Cody? Well, my dad still works. Your dad hasn't retired yet? My dad's only 62. Your dad's only 62? Yeah. Well, I'm only 34. It's not like I'm 40-something years old. Uh-huh. I know it's... What does he do? I know he, he works at school. He works in maintenance at a school, high school. He works in maintenance? Has yeah. he always treated you like a yeah, uh, maintenance guy? So my dad, my dad used to be a foundry worker. Let me move my chair over. Yeah. My dad used to be a foundry worker. So my dad did... What is like, that? Like blue collar, like worked in a steel mill... Forever. What's a foundry worker? Um, like, literally. My father was in restaurant. He wanted a blue collar. My father was in the restaurant business. Yeah, see, my dad didn't do that. My dad was, like, using his hands all day. And well, What do you think my dad was doing? Restaurant business? Wasn't he bossing people around? He told you he bossed you around. Uh, let me tell you something. When you own a restaurant and you're in the restaurant business, you bust tables, too. My mother. You cook, too. My mother was the one that bossed everyone around. My dad is the, like, foreman getting, you know, getting... Telling people to do now at the, high, at the high school, it's a little different. He has an easy job. He calls me four times a night. Remember, because he works till 1130 every night, so on the East Coast. So, yeah, uh, but when he was working in the foundry, a little different, a little right. different. Right. He's still that blue-collar work-every-day mentality. I don't want to go way in-depth on this. Just going to be honest, not trying to upset anybody. It's just... Facts, I'm sorry that, in a way, you were sold that Rob Manfred's job was in trouble. I've backed away. I mean, we don't want to talk about this stuff because it affects all of us, and it hurts, and it's tough, and we get it. But sometimes, Pete, you got to realize you're getting sold, and you got to know fact from fiction. you got to... You got to know facts from misinformation. And it really was put out there that Rob Manford better watch his you know what or his job could be in trouble, right? Am I wrong on that? No, you're correct. 
And people are people have tried to sell that, and you're like, they're selling you, they're they're selling you a lemon. Rob Manfred was getting re re upped. It was never going to be a question. We haven't heard about about the actual tally, but it was thirty representatives for all thirty teams, and I would bet it was thirty for thirty. And that, not the ESPN 30 for 30. Uh, what if I told you? A, a, 30, a, 30, a 30 for 30. Some of those 30s for 30s are fabulous. No, they're outstanding. The U ones, the Miami ones are great. They're great. It's all about the... It's such a scandal. It's so, I mean, if anybody should have got the death penalty. SMU got the death penalty. God, some of the stuff that was going on in Miami. Jesus. Uh, the Yankees-Dodgers rivalry one was... I mean, all, all, so many have been great. But anyway, back to this. He Winning was, time, get the Reggie Miller one was outstanding. He was getting re, re-upped. And if you believe that he wasn't, and if you believed he wasn't because of the A situation, you were just kidding yourself. You were just kidding yourself. And I know he's, as Mike Farron just said right there, he is a lawyer. He is a lawyer. He is not skilled at, being a media darling. David Stern, the commissioner, God rest his soul, whether you loved what he did for the NBA or you didn't love what he did for the NBA, he definitely grew the NBA. And he got to the NBA, you know, from the bird magic to Jordan to exploding, exploding. But he was brilliant with the media. He was brilliant at growing the game of basketball. Roger Goodell has been the most scrutinized of any, you know, far more than Paul Tagliabue. I mean, you 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 think of where Roger Goodell is, and what's his name? Uh, Pete, um, the commissioner for that. Pete Rozelle. Pete Rozelle. Pete Rozelle helped build the NFL what it is today, and he went through the battles, and Raider fans will know he had the battles with Al Davis. Great 30 for 30 also. Right? Legendary court battles, and a lot of people think it led to eventually Pete Rozelle and his bad health. But Roger Goodell, he's not a media darling, but Roger Goodell is a real thick skin and has fought everybody. He's willing. He's, he's up for the fight. Makes a lot of money. He's taken a lot for the owners. I mean, that's what commissioners do. They work for the owners. Their job is to grow the business and protect the owners. And they come off sometimes as not very friendly, too much about the business, and they upset people. But in the end, you know what their job is. So when it was being sold to you, that things that are going on in baseball, and it's, you know, we are so consumed with what happens in our market, but there's stuff in other markets too, as now there's been the problems in Tampa. There's now problems in Milwaukee. My God, how he handled the Houston Astros situation. But in the end, selling you that his job was in jeopardy was a sales job by people around here. And they were, once again, not right. I don't know why they were trying to sell that. I don't know what they got out of it. I don't know if it's for clicks. I don't know if it's for follows. I don't know if it's for subscriptions. 
I don't know why, but there was no way Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, was not having his contract extended. There was no way. So even bringing that up, it was like watching it or listening to it or reading it, it was like, why are you trying to sell this? Because you're not being honest. That's not happening. That the own, Owners are not going against this commissioner. They're not. Now, what's it, four years? He'll be like 71 years old. They'll start in the next couple of years grooming somebody or who's the next guy. But the fact that people want to tell you that, he, he, he better watch himself or he – that was a – you were sold a bill of goods, as they like to say. Don't get mad at me, and don't get mad at me. Don't be coming down my road. I never said anything. I stayed out of it. I just – you saw the vote today. You, you should have known better. you got to know better. You can't just believe everything that people put out there. You just can't. You just can't. And, and you know what? You, you end up upsetting yourself by – and I know how much it means to everybody – but when you delve into everything and you watch everything and you end up believing everything, it's part of the problem with what we perceive as media now. We gravitate to what we want to hear versus what are the real facts. And that happens in everything. It happens in politics. It happens in national politics, local politics, local news. How do I feel and who's agreeing with me? That's where I gravitate to doesn't always mean it's right. it may make you feel better, but it doesn't always make it right. And then when it's not right, it doesn't make you feel better. Does that all make sense? Yeah, I believe so. I mean. Did you ever think Rob Manfred was not going to be extended? No. Um, no, I knew he was going to be. Makes the owners money. So. <clears throat> okay, you know it. I know it. Why didn't other people? I, I don't know. We can't con- control the controllables. Thank you, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Back well, to programming. Speaking of Jim Harbaugh, he might be might be in trouble. Might Harbs be. is in trouble? Recruiting violations could be suspended for four games. Really? That's why I sent out a Harbaugh gif yesterday of him going, it's happening. What's that's hap- what, what happened there, to Harbaugh? There's some kind of recruiting violation thing was going around yesterday. He could be suspended up to four games. I'll just do an old Google search. Isn't it amazing that college is still trying to do this stuff? Like the NCAA, players are getting paid now, but we're still violations. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, Jim Harbaugh facing four-game suspension for lying. Uh, oh, this is from a while ago. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. For apparently for lying about uh, stuff. Colorado could be heading back to the Big 12. The rumors are out there. And you know what? Coach it, Prime, baby. It made me think uh, – at least college football gets it. Why the hell are the Colorado Rockies in the National League West? Why the hell are the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros in the AL West? They have no business. We all have no business being in the same divisions. None. Like Colorado and Utah both have to be saying, was this the right move to come into the Pac-12? Really? Are we really Pac-12 teams? I mean – the whole ridiculous USC and UCLA, I mean, it, it, it's like region. we need to shake ourselves when it comes to all the sports. Pro sports, college sports, it's ridiculous, right? Maybe just maybe it's time to let in the San Jose States and the San Diego States and, the, and for maybe Fresno into the Pac-12. Really make it about the Pacific Coast teams, right? All the way up to Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, down here to the Bay Area, down all the way to Southern California. Teams out west, 
and then allow go to the Big Twelve. Just, just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The Colorado Rockies are in the National League West. Rangers and Astros, we have no business. We have a rival right across the bay in the San Francisco Giants, but we've got to play the Astros and, and the Rangers. Makes no sense. Well, our next series is against Colorado in Colorado. Exactly. What's <laughs> well, that's the New Balance schedule, so that makes sense. I get it, but it just it just gets my point. You could have this killer division with the Dodgers and the Angels and the A's and the Giants and Padres and throwing the the Mariners. D-backs and I don't know. I'm Mariners trying, I'm trying to ship them out. They're more. Pac- I don't need the Mariners. They're more Pacific than than who Arizona. They're Pacific Northwest. Speaking of your D-backs are struggling. Do you see, yeah, there's a lot of teams struggling. There's there, you know, that's where. I mean, is anyone struggling more than the Marlins? They can't even win coming out of the break. They won a game so far <laughs> coming out of the break. So that 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 gets back to. Where are you? Are you in or are you out? Are you a contender or are you not? That's a tough – that's a really – it's a really tough – there's six days to go, and something that, you know, some people really subscribe to, something that you subscribe to, I'm going to bring it up, is the run – and I know Billy Bean talked to – I remember one year Billy Bean, we did a whole thing on run differential with him, and – Run differential is something that the A's front office, we haven't done it with David Forrest recently. Maybe we do that. But run differential, why does run differential matter? Just shows how, I mean, to me it shows how well you're good at scoring runs and preventing runs. Okay, well, why does that matter? That's how you win games. You have to score more runs than the other team to win. Wow, that matters still? Yeah. Yeah. Scoring (laughs) runs matters? Preventing runs matter? Wait a minute, I, I mean... My weighted runs created plus. I've been sold. That's the most important thing in baseball. Yeah, um, that's not. Not? No. No? Believe it or not, I'm not a big WRC plus guy. I mean, I, I, what, I, about, what about my Eno Sarah stuff plus? That's not the most important thing. My O swing percentage. What about my O swing percentage? That's not the most important. Um, maybe when you're talking about, uh, which we will get to, Spencer Strider in the pursuit of 300. Well, that, That's a big thing to worry about. Just look at these teams. If run differential really is a great, let's just say, a way a lot of people we can all come together, no matter where how you look at baseball, where we can say this is a good indicator on your future. Do you score a lot of runs, and do you score do you score more runs on a consistent basis than your opponent? Simple, right? Mm-hmm. I score more than I allow. Angels plus nineteen. Six days left, plus 19. That's not great. Now, Texas, plus 149. You got Angels, plus 19. And I'll even say the Mariners, plus 30. How are you feeling there? Um, I but, mean, they're, they're both over 500, but the Mariners were like our – the wait, Mariners wait, you, were an even you, you, run. You're flipping the script. We're, we're saying no, no, I'm, I'm, we're not looking at the record. The indicator here is run differential. Plus 19 and plus 30. How are you feeling about your future? This is the indicator of looking who you are right now, six days left, trading deadline. Am I a buyer? Am I a seller? Am I in? Am I out? Contender, pretender. Plus 19, Angels, what are you? 
I would feel more confident about Seattle. That has nothing to do with me wanting to make the playoffs. He won't even answer. Where are you with the Angels? I think they're a seller. You're a seller. Yeah. Seattle, only plus 30. It's higher than the Angels, so I, I like them. I doesn't matter. You're, 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 you, you think they're a buyer? Yes. I think they might. They're the, what everyone keeps saying, and I hate to say it, but they're the candidate of a buyer and seller at the same time. They can buy but also sell. They can acquire people and then sell like Logan Gilbert off. I don't know why Logan Gilbert's team keeps coming up because he's a guy, but they can maybe trade him and get someone in return, like a player for player, for player thing. You're like, who is that Who is that Batman bad guy, Two-Face? Uh, yes. So you're like Two-Face? You're like Two-Faces? You're a buyer and a seller? Pretty much, yeah. It's kind of like if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. 49ers have four quarterbacks, apparently. All right. Brock Purdy does not make the season with that elbow. Uh, I mean, he's supposed to be throwing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> New York Yankees, plus nine. All this talk about the Yankees. If run differential, we all agree, it can be looked at as an indicator for your future. Run differential only plus nine. They're going to buy, but I don't think they should. Because it's the Yankees, they're going to they're gonna try to get better. They're getting judged back Friday, so they're gonna feel like okay, we got our guy coming back. I don't know. I don't think they. I don't think they have it this year. Look at the look at the AL Central. Oh God! All right, somebody's got to win it, but it is Minnesota with their pitching at plus forty one. Everybody else not even sniffing it. Guardians made the deal today. They're getting Noah Syndergaard. They're just plus six. So they're hoping to score more runs by trading a guy that was a good hit, a decent hitter for them for a guy that's not having a good year in LA. All right, well. We'll see if the Guardians turn it Shane around. Shane Bieber, I think, has played a big role in this with yeah. his elbow problems. He's on he's, the 60-day injured list he's, now. He's probably he's, done until until September. He's not pitching again. Yeah, I think he's done for the year. I mean, um, Atlanta obviously cruising in the I'm, well, just, I'm just going around the I'm going to go out of limb and say they're going to be a buyer. I don't think they need to buy. They'll, they'll make a small – they've already made a couple of small moves with Johnson and Hearn getting relievers, but I think they might make one – Maybe get Adam Duvall from the Red Sox if they decide to trade him. Philadelphia right now is in that group that's for the three spots in the NL wild card. They're just plus eight, though. Plus eight. Now, they made their run as a as a, as a team no one believed in. That's against the world mentality last year. Plus eight. Can you do it again? Can you make that run again? What was that song they kept playing? Everybody ends up having a song. I can't remember what it was. Well, look it up. What was the Philly? What was the Phillies? It's always a trendy old song, like an '80s song. Uh, dancing with my what dan- was it? Dancing on my own. Dancing on my own. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, your name on the Phillies. You a buyer or a seller? They're a wild card team right now, so they're going to be a buyer. I'm going to save the NL Central because it's the most fascinating debate, okay? Uh, Obviously, the Dodgers, everybody said the Dodgers, man, they're cruising. Giants, Arizona, Giants are just plus 18, Arizona just plus 5. Are you really all in at plus 18 and plus 5 and run differential with six days to go in the trading deadline? I heard someone say today that Arizona should maybe consider selling. Well, they're only plus 5. Their future's ahead of them. Yeah, it was. Uh, Once again, though, we've already established everybody can talk about selling, but 
the odds are whatever you sell and acquire, not going to do a whole heck of a lot for you. I think we are in our game right now. Everybody wants to talk about replenish, replenish, get prospect. It's like they're acting like everybody's got this pot of gold of prospects, and that's not a reality. Numbers show it. Percentages show it. Yeah, I would. I, I forget who said it. It might have been Steve Phillips said it on MLB Network earlier that they should be if they they should be buyers, but buy controllable like guys beyond this year. How many guys are really out there? They can get their controllable yeah. like that. There's a lot of people talking about these moves, and it's just like we sit back and we just go, "How is this possible? How is there that many great prospects just floating around that I can trade this guy and that guy?" Everybody wants to just trade for prospects. It's like we act like there's a bazillion great prospects, but yet. We look at drafts, how many guys come to the big leagues from your draft, how many guys have successful careers from your drafts, and it's not that high. Uh, we had a, we had a uh, commenter on YouTube asked, what's the Dodgers run differential? It's plus 97 right now. Yeah, Dodgers are cruising. Dodgers have the most. Been, I've been kind of looking at the Rockies knowing that we're going to play the Rockies on Friday. Most hurt pitchers this year is? Colorado. They're number two to your Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, I would say Colorado, three of their top five prospects are all having Tommy John surgery. Dodgers have the most hurt pitchers this year, followed by the Colorado Rockies. Dodgers decided to go young. Dodgers have had injuries, yet here we are, six days left, 58 and 43 with a plus 97 run differential. They had the historic run differential last year. This is as crazy. The, the Padres, who lost the series to the Pirates, um, 49 and 54. Their expected win-loss, because you know what we love expected, their expected win-loss with their run differential is 57 and 46. But they're not. But they're not. They're 49 and 54. They might be the case if we're going to say run differential has anything to, to do with predicting or it's a good predictor of your future success or failure. Padres are plus 51. Do you say where you are with six days left, you're 49 and 54. It's an anomaly. You should be way better. You will be way better based off your run differential. Are you buying or selling that? Um, I'm going to sell from them. And Hater and, and uh, Snell are the two guys. I would trade Soto too. You're going to be a hater on Hater? Well, I'm, everyone knows I'm a big hater guy, but I think you trade Everybody him. knows that. Everybody, hey, you work with Commander Co. Yeah, he's a big hater guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's a big hater guy. Uh, I would trade those two guys. I would try to trade Soto, too, but I don't. So you're selling San Diego. You're selling Arizona. What do you do in San Francisco? Plus 18. Still not very high. Their offense stinks. And they just called up their top hitting prospect, Marco Luciano, playing tonight, wearing number 37. I would buy. All in on plus 18. Now the central. Fascinating. Milwaukee minus three, Cincinnati minus six. The only team with a plus in front of their number for run differential is the Chicago Cubs. They're 49 and 51. They are a plus 45. What's their uh, expected? 54 and 46. You got Stroman. You got Cody Bellinger. You got Wrigley Field and a ton of cash. Do you shake them dice and roll them? Or are you a seller? 
Well, we went over this yesterday, and I said about trading Bellinger. So, yes, I would sell if I was them. Now, think about what he just did. He had all these sell. I'm still trying to figure out who you're going to sell for. Who are all these all these teams that are buyers that have all these prospects? Where Who are all these brilliant players that you're selling for? It's easy to say you're a seller. It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to get rid of this guy, and I'm going to get rid of this guy. How many great Franklin Barretos are out there that you're going to get sold on at this trading deadline? Oh, they're going to throw in Franklin Barreto. You're going to have to make the deal. I just – the keep... unknown in baseball right now is better than the known. Is that safe to say? And I think Mike Farron agreed with that. The unknown, we feel better about the unknown – than the known right now. Because the unknown is sell your players off, go get younger players. I like younger players, but I like younger players that I know, right? If you're just telling me random younger players from whatever organization, hell, I don't know what they're going to be. Yeah. If I have good players. Yeah, like uh, I can't, was, I heard one of them on MLB Network Radio earlier. I was like, oh, yeah, you should package a Stroman and uh, – and Bellinger, and send him to the Yankees, and uh, you maybe you get uh, you get Volpe back and Peraza, and I'm like, the Yankees aren't trading. How's Volpe doing? Not not very well. Uh, you mean the next Derek Jeter? The next Derek Jeter. How's he doing? The next Derek Jeter, 22 years old, um, <clears throat> 210 batting average, uh, 13 home runs, uh, 18 steals. Huh? Okay, uh, 662 OPS. I've seen a couple of those home runs. They're that uh, cheap. Cheap. Only out at Yankee Beep. Stadium. Uh, OPS plus, hundreds league average, 83. Yeah. But it's positive war. Well, there's a reason why the Yankees are plus nine. Shamanai is going to join us here just coming up as we were able to do an interview with him earlier today. Fabulous. Shamanai, one of the great guys. I, yeah. I ideally would have loved to kept Matt Chap. No, not Matt Chapman. I would have liked to kept Olsen. I would have liked to have Simeon. I would have liked to have kept Bassett. Manaya Manaya was Manaya was a player that was comfortable here. Certain players play better where they're really comfortable. He has never looked the same since he's left here. Didn't look the same last mm-hmm. year in San Diego and hasn't looked the same in San Francisco. Manaya was comfortable. It was a good fit. And sometimes Oakland has just been a really good fit for players. Marcus has never had as good. Marcus has been good, but he hasn't been as good as 2019. Um, what do you get? 45 home runs and 21 with the Blue Jays. I know, band box ballpark, but he had a good year that year. But yeah, never I mean, has been as good as when he finished third in the MVP balloting for the Yankees. Yeah, what do you? Where are you finishing in 21? Let's see, I'm I'm with you. I don't think he's been. Like right now, he doesn't even have an 800 OPS. Yeah, it's uh, 786. Marcus in 21 finished third in MVP voting as well. Played in every game, hit 45 home runs, drove in 102. What Toronto? His only his only year there. What was his OPS the year he was uh, third MVP for uh, eight, the Oakland Athletics? 892, 21, 873. So yeah. His, Never been better when it comes to OPS. And and he was playing what position? Uh, shortstop. Every day? Yeah. For a team that won the division, right? 
Uh, correct. Oh, no, 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 no. no, that was wild 2020. Yeah. Wild card, 97 games. I no, playing 53. Took- I, I think I'm going to be right on that one, that playing shortstop every day for a team that won 97 games, finishing third in the MVP was his best year. Well, he had the run score, too. How many runs did he end up scoring? Like 120. Well, uh, tell me what his OPS plus was. Uh, 139. Versus? Nine, 2021, 131. Oh, yeah. You know why? It's tougher to hit in Oakland than it is Toronto. Very true. That's, 30, 30, that's, that's your expected. What's your expected? 33 homers. That's, that, when we, that's when we take all the ballparks and factor them in? Yeah. Uh-huh. 123 runs scored in Oakland that year. Pretty good, huh? Nice little year. Yeah. Turned himself into a nice little player. But As Jay Jaffe told us, could be a fringe guy you look at the Hall of Fame. I don't it's, – it's, it's, it's tough to do offensive guys because if you like, – like Donaldson. Donaldson flipping to Toronto where it's a great hitting environment. Really, it's for pitchers. Certain pitchers, like you, you pitch here, it's just it's like it's like a perfect fit. You're like per, like pitching here. It's just guys love pitching here. Love the mound. Love the ballpark. Love the big foul territory. They, love, they just love it. So I don't think there's any guy that left here. I, there's one guy I think that left here and had success that I can think of right off the top of my head. I know everyone's going to point at Sonny Gray. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! The, because of the years having sure, I'm going Gio Gonzalez. I mean, Sonny Gray left here and did nothing but struggle and was okay as a Red. Yeah, I think he's having a good year this year. I'd go yeah, Gio. That's years later, and he's changed a lot. I'd go Gio. Gio what? Gio Gonzalez. Gio what? Left here and was great? I think the best guy would be Tim Hudson. I'm just thinking, well, I'm not thinking of guys like recently. Yeah, Hudson, but I'm you thinking of guys Hudson like. Hudson old? I mean, he's older than Gio. Oh. I mean, Gio, what, Gio, and he won 16 games in 2011, goes to Washington, next year he wins 21. Mm-hmm. And then what? 11, 10, 11, 15. ERA, 336, 357, 379, 4.5. It just kept getting higher after Oakland. Uh, then 296 the next year as he got older. Uh, that's one year out of a lot of years of high year. Let, let, let's look at Commander Cody wants to be right. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six. So five, five out of six years, a pretty decent size ERA for a guy that, I don't know, I think I'd go Tim Hudson. Next career. Tim Hudson won over 200 games, right? Uh, yes. Did he? I believe he won over 200 games. World Series. The only, the only, the only Tim Hudson did have Tommy John surgery. That would be the only drawback. Yeah, two twenty left. Yeah, I couldn't remember how many, how many total. Two hundred twenty-two games. He's another guy. Fifty-eight. His WAR is around fifty-eight. I mean, he was on about one year, and he got he was already off. Something we didn't get into because a lot has been going on. I don't know how you're going to judge pitchers into the Baseball Hall of Fame. We could still save it for Friday because Spencer Strider is actually pitching right now, and it's all stemmed from that. Like, how are we going to judge pitchers if they don't go deep in games? Like what? What? What are what? What are we going to put on the plaque fifteen years from now? So, for example, Tim Hudson, his numbers ten years from now, you're going to look at and go, "There's not one pitcher that's ever going to get to his win total." The only guy even close is Cole. That's about it. Cole's not even that close. He's in, what is he at? Like one thirty. Garrett Cole's not even close to 222 wins. I'm saying he's the only guy you can think of right yeah. now that's close. 
that's I still mean, relatively young. We say sixty wars is a uh, is a sixty war one thirty nine is a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. We've now gone from seventy to sixty. Tim Hudson's what? Fifty round up. It's fifty seven point nine. So fifty seven. So he's he's like like there. that far. Yeah. He's like that far. But what we're not factoring in is what is it, what is it going to look like ten years from now when guys are not even throwing one hundred and seventy five innings. They projected, uh, Fangrass projected, and this all ties into Spencer Strider. Um, they projected nine guys of over 200 innings this year. Strider was not one of them. Strider was like 190. So but, each year it's getting lower. Yeah. So in 10 years when no one goes 200 innings, no one has wins, like how are we going to judge pitchers? And then more importantly, what will we put on their plaques? Or just pitchers will never get in the Hall of Fame again? Oh, the criteria is going to change. To what? Got to have something. Uh, what are you going to put on the plaque? That's a big thing. What it goes on a player's plaque. This player had X amount of RBIs. This player had X amount of home runs. Wins, saves, strikeouts. What are you going to put on a pitcher's plaque years from now for the Hall of Fame? The, well, the, the, it's not going to be innings. It's not going to be wins. If we look at wins, the, the, the justification for wins is going to be way lower than 300 for being a sure fire. 300? We're you're, looking at maybe You're not even going to have a guy of 100. 200 or lower, maybe 175. You're not going to have – guys, the average pitcher is going to start going five innings or less. Already, there's going to be no – there's going to be no wins, no innings pitched. If you don't have innings pitched, you can't have high strikeout numbers. Yeah, like I said – the whole thing with Spencer Strider, he's only gone over seven innings twice this year, and twenty starts. So well, 20. how you're never going to get to three thousand strikeouts? You're never. So what are you going to put on a guy's plaque fifteen years from now in the baseball hall? Twenty years from now, which hopefully I'll still be alive and I'll be able to say I told you so. What 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 are you going to put on a player's plaque in the base? You're going to go in the baseball hall of fame, and you're going to. I want to ask David Force that. Because well, David Force has just poo-pooed me on innings, and what it, what does David Forst envision twenty five years from now being on guys' plaques in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Wins and innings don't matter anymore. Well, then what are you going to put on there? His ex-fip. I hey, you know how you know how, I can't remember her name. Seems like a very sweet lady who reads the plaques at the ceremony. She's oh. um, one of the. She's not the. She's not the head of the baseball hall of fame, but she's she's one of the big dogs. But she reads it. Is, is she going to be like this four inning pitcher? He struck out x amount of batters per four uh, per four innings more than anybody in his generation. Is that what we're going to do? We're going to talk about. He was the best in inherited runners. Ryan Dahl, one of the best. Think about that. What are you going to put on these guys' plaques 20, 25 years from now when they don't have innings, they don't have strikeouts, they don't have wins because no one cares about wins? Ask Eno on Friday. I don't care about Eno. I want the people who are – Eno's not deciding. Eno has a Hall of Fame vote, though, doesn't he? Eno's not deciding on how players play. The guys who play today, I mean, that the decision makers of what they draft, what they teach, we know for a fact in the minor leagues, these guys are not throwing any innings. 
Yeah, well, he looked at the Dodgers and their minor league numbers. I mean, they're just not throwing innings, right? So it's like, what do like we should poll every single GM in baseball or president of baseball operating. What do you think will be on players' plaques in the Baseball Hall of Fame, pitchers-wise, 20, 25 years from now? If they don't have wins, they don't have strikeouts, they don't have they don't have innings pitched, what, what the hell is going to be on their plaques? Yeah. I mean. How will they even get in? Like, how are you going to be on one wing and look at these guys' plaques and all these incredible achievements, and then you're going to have this wing of guys that pitch four innings? Yeah, I mean, my whole thing, like I always said, is <clears throat> the way that we evaluated the game is changing all the time. So we're, the guys that won 300 games, completely. I mean, I hate using the errors debate, but that's what it is. It's the errors. Guys, there was no limits on guys back then. Well, there's, teams aren't letting guys go more than five or six innings. Now, I mean, do some players have control over that? Yeah, probably, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how we, how we do do that. David, David's a good start to ask. I want to know. For it, 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 someone like yourself who has poo-pooed some of those numbers, that's why I like po- po- I like putting it to David because he's an actual GM. You, you're just here on the show. I'm a GM for fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> on how many teams? Uh, baseball one. You only have one. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Yeah. How many on football? Uh, I do one with the A's and one with my own league, so I do two. Are you a better football GM, football guy, Foot, f- or are you a are you a better baseball GM? Actually, over the last few years, I'm I've been a better football guy. I, I'm elite at hockey. I win every year in hockey. Whoa, 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 whoa! Basketball, whoa. I win every year too. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's every day. Like, slow down, Martin Brodeur. What are you talking about? Hockey's interesting because you, you got to follow. Our good friend, one of my good friends, is you know as well, Alex Scott. Him and I do a fantasy hockey every year and. Um, he, he talks a lot of trash, thinking he's going to win. Then he always comes out with, in, at the end with the trophy. That's right, I do. How many guys are in this fan? Like twelve. How, how do you play fantasy hockey? You, I, we just join random leagues on Yahoo and just. Okay, so what's like? It's a, not for money. I mean, obviously, scoring pucks is a big deal, yeah. and assists. Goal are a big scored, assists, um, penalty minutes, g- goals allowed for goalies. Is penalty minutes shots on goal? I want my guy to be have penalty minutes. Yeah, no, I want yeah. Marty McSorley. Yeah, you could. I mean, I remember one year when I was running a baseball league, I put K's in there for batters just to penalize everyone. Who, and so every time I did it, I always had a team with the most strikeouts. I screwed myself by doing that, but that means my guys were hitting home runs. But, yeah, you could, you could probably change where you have the most penalty minutes as a positive thing. I mean, in your Hall of Fame, on your plaque, I mean, tell me how great that plaque is going to be for uh, Joey Gallo, your guy Joey Gallo. Uh, like I thought, you were, I thought you were going to go somewhere at the Hall of Fame in hockey, where it's just—it's going to be wild, man. If you're a baseball Hall of Fame fan in the next X amount of years, it's going to be wild. I'm like, how would guys get in? Yes. How that, do guys get in? I'm how do you, how do you get in? I mean, you can't even let guys that have had great careers in. Where this next generation of when you when all you do is certain things, it doesn't add up. To great wars. That's why I think this conversation we can do on Friday with Spencer Striders and what he's pursuing is pretty fascinating. Right? Because volume is what gets you high war. Yeah. And if you don't have certain – if you only do certain things because front offices want you to do certain things, then that's going to limit you to how much your mass going to add up. Like if all you did is hit home runs, your war is not going to be high. And all you do is get base hits, your war is not – you got to do it all. 
to get it up there. Yes. So why the greatest what? That's why the greatest wars are guys that have like Henry Aaron. He's got a boatload of home runs and he's got a boatload of hits and he's got a boatload of extra base hits. He's got a boatload of runs. I mean, that's why RBIs. his war is so high. Yeah, Bonds. All of them. Ted Williams. Babe Ruth. Willie Mays. They did it all. Well, now we kind of raise guys to be, well, you're good at this and you're good at that. And we'll mix and match and you're not good against lefties and you're good against yeah, righties. Platooning and and all, gonna, yeah. You're going to do this. And pitchers, my God, you're only going four innings and you're going three innings. I mean, the Baseball Hall of Fame, what's going to be interesting? I mean, you know, hopefully when it all goes to crap, I won't be around anymore. Well, you got to at least, for this stuff and looking at the guys of this generation, you got at least 20 years. Probably. I mean, think about it. You can't, some of your favorite players now you can't even get. You can't get You can't even get in Wagner. I know. Right? It's a shame. You can't get Wagner in. How are you going to get a modern-day reliever in if you can't get in Billy Wagner, who was a terrific closer? You can't. Who are you going to get in now? Yeah, Saves don't matter. Everyone, yeah. You know, everyone's going to make the argument for Jansen and Kimball, and I'm like, look, I get Whoa, I, whoa, whoa. Those are now – we're talking guys who are starting their career right now. How are they going to get in the yeah. Baseball Hall of Fame? If you're coming up right now in Major League Baseball as a starter – how are you going to get in the baseball? What, what what will get you in? Yeah. I mean, we're always going to look at strikeouts, but that's the thing with Strider. You're not pitching a ton of innings, so yeah. how are you going to get up there in strikeouts? Yeah. And you're going to have a Tommy John surgery in there. I think it's fascinating. It is. And that's why I like this. This when we I sent you the Strider thing. I think it's. Yeah, Spencer Strider strikes out a lot of guys, but he just doesn't pitch a lot of innings. Said he's not even projected for 200. Only nine guys this year projected, according to Fangraphs, for 200, 200 innings. And and knock on wood, they stay healthy so you can get to that. Yeah. What happens in the day and age where not one guy gets 200 innings? I would love to know because I'd be vindicated for that, that bet we made a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy Alcantara, he really screwed me, Right man. now I'm trending for another free dinner versus you. Well, hey, by the way, before we get to Manaya, uh, we should probably take a break first. Um the two guys we said that would hit a home run in the Cove, uh, they're not playing today. Soderstrom didn't hit one in the Cove mm-hmm. yesterday. Who did I say? Cody Thomas. Yeah, that wasn't close. Yeah, so I think we both lost this one. <laughs> I didn't even look at the lineup today. We haven't even we haven't had a break yet today. Yeah, that's why so we? we should be, uh Brent Rooker back in the lineup today, hitting third in the eighth. He's back. He's I was back. Learned. What the hell's going on? Uh, with Rooker? I'm assuming Freddie Tarnock's gonna be the opener because uh it's what it says is that's who's uh right now I got Hogan Harris is still on the bump. Has that changed? Uh, our, I'm pretty sure our, our PR t- put something out. Uh, right here we have yeah on our graphic it says Tarnuck. I'm gonna go with uh, our own. I'm gonna go with the A's graphic over MLB.com. Oh, here I'll look at A's PR, see what it says, because they sent out the lineup. Yeah, Tarnuck. Well, Tarnuck to me is not an opener. It was supposed to be Hogan Harris today. I mean, if t- if Tarnock goes out and throws well today. You throw him out there for a second inning? Uh, yeah. What if he throws well in the second inning? I mean, he's a starter. Yes, I th- I think you let him go. He can be. Yeah, that's. But then again, that's that's not the role of the opener. The opener is you decide he's going one inning, going two innings. You, the bolt guy. Are we still going bolt guy? Yeah, I think it's what we're going for. Um, okay, bolt guy. Yeah, it, he is the opener. Bulk guy then has to go down and warm up, and, and, and he's not 
That's where Fuji in Toronto with Hogan Harris was a total screw-up where Fuji couldn't get out of the first inning, and now Hogan Harris has to come in as a reliever with runners on. That's not the plan. You have a plan of one, two innings, and then the bulk guy's coming in. Clean inning. He knows when, so he's able to warm up normal. Now, Freddie Tarnock, if I feel like he's throwing the ball well, when do I tell Hogan Harris to go down and warm up? They're probably only going to have him go to inning, I would assume. Freddie Tarnock, because every single time he's, he's pitched, what, twice? Yeah. Both times Most, more than one inning. He's been the guy, he's been the guy following. Well, he followed Ho- Hogan Harris the other day against Houston when Ho- Harris made his last start. Yeah, and he went how many innings? Three? Three. Maybe they go four and uh, ooh, maybe they go four and four and five or five and four. So Geloff's the least in the lineup today. Yeah. But no so our our, our friendly food bet is not gonna unless one of them pinch hits and it's a home run in the cove. Don't think Soderstrom's gonna get number one, and I don't think Cody Thomas is gonna do it. Uh you wanna go back to a food bet tonight on, on who goes in the cove? Uh well. There's only, what, two left-handed hitters in the lineup? I mean, it's either got to be Blade <laughs> or Kemp. <laughs> I got Blade. I think Jordan Diaz can pull one out I'll there. I'll give you a double or nothing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. All of a sudden, you're going to have relievers. The lefties will come in. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That, that, that I'm, sick, I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with. I got the video ready for if it does happen, so we can for put Soderstrom. It yes, but I called it saying he would be the. You first. know what? I'm going with today for a dinner, going into the Cove. I'm gonna go with Sarge, and I don't even know why Bip Roberts calls him Sarge, but I'm going with Sarge, and I know he had a horrible at bat last night against uh, Taylor Roger. There's Rogers, the right-handed twin. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, he had the double. I, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Sarge tonight. I'm going Sarge. Is that Seth Brown? Seth Brown. Okay. Because you said double, and I'm like, oh, no one had. He's only got had an extra base hit. I'm going Seth Brown into McCovey Cove bucket, and I hope he hits one of these guys. Well, I'm not gonna. Never mind. I hope he goes into McCovey Cove. It's crazy that Luciano's batting. Luciano making his debut for the Giants. Is it McCovey Cove yes. or McCovey's Cove? I thought it was McCovey Cove. I don't, I'm not a Giants fan. You're a closet Giants fan. Uh, Luciano, 37. Soderstrom, what is it? Every team is going to give 37 out to their top prospect? That's better than 78 and 81. <laughs> and At least Gallup got 20. I would go a high number. 99. Give me Wayne Gretzky. Oh, Aaron Judge, 99. Wayne Gretzky. What the greatest ever? 99 is Wayne Gretzky. What do you ever do? Huh? More points and you know Wayne Gretzky more wanted assists. Wa- and Wayne Gretzky wanted to be a baseball player? Tom Glavin wanted to be a hockey player. Wayne Gretzky told Dan Patrick at the AT&T, because he plays every single year, well, used to, Dustin Johnson before he is his uh, son-in-law. He used to, before he went to live golf. But Gretzky, I think, still play. He played in it this year again. Gretzky at Pebble Beach told Dan Patrick, I always want to be a baseball player. I think he grew up a big Tigers fan. Well, that makes sense. Close enough. Coming up next, you're going to really love it. Sean Mania, an a great guy, great A, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. 
This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they have an offer where you can get 20% off. Go to LinkSoul.com. Remember in the big leagues, look good, play good. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, before we get to Shamanaya, we have, um, what did Farron call it? Info news or info? Info, uh, info media? No. Info, uh, infotainment? Infotainment. Yeah. We have infotainment for Mike Farron, Sirius XM, on earlier today. Power Alley, one of the best shows going in baseball. Infotainment. We've got some infotainment for you. Well, that's Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. Tom Verducci, friend of the program of Sports Illustrated MLB Network, is reporting the Los Angeles Angels six days to go before the trading deadline will not trade two-way superstar Shohei Otani leading up to the August 1st trade deadline. After fielding various trade offers for Otani and holding internal discussions the past two days, the Angels decided late Wednesday afternoon Today's Wednesday, right? Yes. Uh, That threw me off because I'm like, what? Because we have tomorrow off. Tomorrow's Thursday. Yes. Then Colorado. All right. Late Wednesday afternoon. And is it really that late? It's only five. five. Late Wednesday afternoon, not only to hold Otani, but to also be buyers. Oh, boy. You said, you, he said they should be sellers. They're going to be buyers. The August 1st trade deadline, according to source familiar with the club's decision. I told you all along, you can say whatever you want about me, okay? We're going to run out of time with Mania. I get it. I get it. You can be critical. I understand. And, oh, by the way, if anybody – I'm available. For some reason, some people, I think, don't come to the ballpark anymore. I'm available. We're there at the treehouse every happy hour every Friday, Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, somebody sent me the snapshot on Twitter of somebody saying, oh, you better watch out if he goes to Root Beer Float Day or Fan Fest. Uh, Every Friday, I'm available. You can come talk to me. Every Friday, I'll talk to you, tell you the hardships and all the tough stuff, and we get it and we understand. And if you – I would love to have a conversation with you. I'm not hiding from any – am I hiding? No. I'm available every Friday, Treehouse Happy Hour. I guess that's a person that hasn't been to the Coliseum in a long time, and they think, if you're so, so we have Root Beer Float Day? <laughs> We've had that in a while. Since, since before COVID. Fan fat? Like, no, hey, every Friday, we're not, we are not hiding from anybody. Um, I told you, it's business. He's worth too much money. And these baseball fools who, by the way, 
most baseball broadcasters and most baseball writers are not business people. They don't own businesses, they've never owned businesses, and they've always worked for somebody. So in their world, it's all about prospects and baseball, and in the real world, it's about money. This is a business. Mike Farron backed me up, and I've been saying this how long. He is not going to get traded because he is worth so much money and worth far more prospects, but people will come on this show and be like, oh, they got to trade him for prospects versus the millions upon millions of dollars they're going to make off him alone in these next two months, especially if they can make the playoffs, especially if, they could, if he goes for the AL home run record. I told you there's no way they're trading him. Told you. Well, hopefully he goes for the home run record then. I don't care. He's yeah. an angel. I don't want him to get it. And the angels go for the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff game since 2009. Sean Manaya joined us earlier today on A's Cast Live. Always great to have the big left-hander Sean Manaya on the program, A's Cast Live, as he's getting ready for the Giants and the Athletics coming up from Oracle Park. It has been a while. How are you? We miss you. Yeah, uh, things have been going great. Um, you know, a little, little bit different on the other side of the bay, but, um, you know, Giants Nation's uh, been been great so far, and, uh, you know, I love playing in Oracle. So, other than that, um, you know, baseball season, and, um, yeah, man, just miss you guys too. Well, you, you know how, how big of a fan favorite you were and how much everybody loved you in Oakland. We've never taken off the set. We've never taken you down. <laughs> here. I just noticed that, yeah. Yeah, you're next to the big three. We've never taken you down. And even though that you you obviously went on and, and pitched for the Padres and pitched for the Giants, you know, once you've been here and you've had great success in the bonds here, the Oakland A's will always be a big part of your career and, and, and who you are as a professional. Yeah, I mean, you know, they gave me uh, the opportunity to, to pitch at the big league level and, um, you know, spent a lot of years there and, you know, had a lot of great relationships and learned a lot, grew up as a man and, um, you know, all these great things. So, um, you know, Oakland's definitely going to have a always have a special place in my heart and, um, you know, forever great, grateful for that. You know, recently we were just talking about, we'll get into Giants, but recently we were just talking with Boston, uh, the A's taking on Boston in Boston before the break and then right after the break, you know, a lot of talk about your no hitter against the Boston Red Sox. And I remember that night, you know, the Red Sox came to town, obviously a terrific team. And it was a night where you were just cruising. And when you when you think back to that night of that no hitter, what comes to mind for you? Um, I mean, just the you know adrenaline because um, you know the few times that I faced them before wasn't pretty, and um, you know they had my number for sure. So you know there's a lot of uh, like for me, you know, just the emotion and just. You know, like I, I wanted to have like a good start and, you know, I wasn't expecting a no hitter, but, um, you know, as the game kept going, it just, you know, things were flowing and, um, you know, the game just felt like it was over within a, you know, couple minutes, um, you know, just thinking back about it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, you know, perfect night and, um, you know, a lot of people there. So that was, you know, really cool. And, um, yeah, just overall, that was a, obviously a very special night. How often do you think about it? Um, yeah, randomly. Um, you know, people bring it up uh, every once in a while, and um, you know, it's hard not to <laughs> think about that night. So, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, randomly check out the uh, the highlights on YouTube uh, every now and again. But um, 
yeah, it's always a you know special special moment. So um, definitely uh, something I go back to here and there. This past off season, you went up and worked out at Driveline, right? Uh, yeah, in Arizona. In, in Arizona, was it Driveline? Yeah, they're uh, like the original office is in Kent, Washington, I believe, like yeah. near Seattle. Um, but yeah, they opened up this one in. Uh, well, they opened up an original one in uh, I think Phoenix, and then they moved to this one uh, this past year. So um, yeah, after the season last year, I was like, you know, I knew I needed to get in some like, you know, baseball specific training and um, they've also obviously got a you know pretty long track record and all this stuff. So um, yeah, I've trained there the whole off season and uh, loved it. Yeah. Cause that, you know, we've been hearing a lot about it for years. We've had guys on the show from driveline. I just kind of want to get your overall experience. I know a lot of they're starting to work with a lot of young players. We got college guys, high school guys, people who want to get better with their biomechanics. They want to improve their velocity. Just kind of take us through the process. What do you think they really did for you and helped you going into this season? Um, well, like the first thing that we did, we, we did a motion capture. So they put all these like, you know, dots and, um, you know, basically like biomechanics stuff um, that smart people interpret, um, you know, that stuff goes away from my head, but, um, <laughs> you know, they do, do a good job of like breaking down like the numbers and like, you know, your rotational speeds and, um, you know, a bunch of fancy metrics that, you know, again, I don't really uh, understand, but they do a good job of explaining like the most important things that, um, you know, you could like the low hanging fruit that you can improve upon. So, um, yeah, it was like the first thing I did um, when I got there, which would, would have been like a week or two after uh, the season ended. And, you know, from then on, uh, or what they got from that motion capture data, they, you know, pretty much just gave me a uh, plyoball routine um, for like the off season. And, you know, it was like kind of like a, a trust thing where it's like, you know, the we think these drills are going to help you. So, um excuse me, they, uh, you know, do that. Uh, we have like a, a whole like map of like what the, the off season is going to be like. And, uh, you know, we think, you know, this could definitely help. So um, a little different than what I expected, but, you know, I, uh, you know, trusted that process and um, even getting like towards the end there of the off season, like, you know, I, my velo had increased like a little bit, um, but I knew for like, for me, it was kind of like a, uh, I needed like some adrenaline, you know, some like fans in the, the stadium and stuff like that. Um, you know, I can't really just walk up the two mound and um, just throw 98, which, you know, some guys can do that, but uh, I don't know, for me, I just couldn't do that. So, um, but I definitely felt it towards the end of the off season there. And um, yeah, I mean, my first game that I pitched with the Giants uh, hit 97 and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah. You know? I didn't really feel like, um, like physically, like I was trying harder or anything, it just kind of was coming out better. So, um, yeah, I mean, my velo has been up the this whole year, which has been great. So, um, yeah, I definitely think it works. And, um, yeah, it's been, yeah, incredible so far. So, I, I know you guys probably aren't scoreboard watching, so let me do that for you. It's kind of crazy right now. The way the wild card works, the Reds have a half-game lead over you guys, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies at the Marlins. I mean, you guys are all in this group for the wild card. I know you're still chasing the division, but just 
do you guys talk about in the clubhouse just wow how bunched up all these teams are for the wild card and of course still trying to win the division which the dodgers lead yeah i think uh you know it's a topic of conversation um yeah i don't think we're all just sitting around um you know just like discussing each little thing but uh, yeah i think it's uh you know always in the back of our minds um you know especially getting here in august um you know you got like two, you know, a little over two months left. So, um, you know, we're definitely starting to get into that, you know, stretch run here. So, um, yeah, it's, I think, uh, you know, everyone's thinking about it, but, you know, obviously the goal is for the, uh, you know, NL West and, um, you know, it's definitely a, a real possibility. So, uh, but yeah, the, um, as the season goes on, like the, that group, you know, you know, it's going to be <laughs> crazy here, uh, towards the end there. So, um, yeah, who knows what happens. You know, when I think about you being a starter and pitching a lot of games out of the bullpen this year, it's so far different, right? Game day as a starter, you have your routine, how you warm up, when you run, when you throw, when you stretch, go through that whole process, how much you throw in the bullpen versus being in the bullpen. It's like get down there, warm up. you got to get ready to rock, right? It's like eight pitches. you got to be ready. So what has that trans- transition been like for you throwing so many games out of the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's very – I mean, you pretty much described it. Um, you know, as a starter, each day is like its own own routine, um, like own like different routine. So like, you know, day one, like say I started today, like tomorrow would be um, – you know, all set on this one, like specific, like get the body moving, light throwing, uh, if any throwing, um, you know, really trying to recover. And then the next day would be something different. The next day would be different. Um, so as a starter, your days are kind of structured around like your starts. Um, and what I've noticed as, you know, coming out of the pen is like every day is pretty much the same, um, you know, unless you go, multiple innings and, um, you know, you, you know, you're down, uh, that next day it's kind of, um, you know, you, you have time to recover and do all that stuff. So, but yeah, coming out of the pen is like, you know, pretty, at least for me, it's been like the same routine every day. Um, you know, go out and throw stretch, run, uh, work out if I have to. And then like, um, you know, I have my own routine that I do, uh, right before, or like as the game's going on, uh, just be ready, you know, if my name's called. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, um, you know, been a lot different, but, um, yeah, like the, the new challenges, um, it's been, you know, great to see this perspective, uh, coming out, out of the pen and, you know, seeing the game from a, a different viewpoint and, um, yeah, you know, I just like welcome the new challenges. So it's been, uh, been great so far, but definitely, a definitely a challenge. I, I wish all A's fans could have been there to see, we'll end on this, how you handled that day in spring training where you got traded and you came into the clubhouse and you were so emotional. Uh, everybody was emotional. And then you're pitching against the A's and a Padres uniform and a green glove and green cleats. And then you were so kind to then do an interview with me in the, in, in the club, the Padres clubhouse after the start, uh, you're a salt of the earth kind of guy. It's one of the reasons why 
we all loved you. It's why the fans all loved you. And it's why we will always root for you. No matter what jersey you put on, we are all going to be in your camp. And you never know, maybe someday you come back and pitch for the green and gold. But I can't thank you enough for everything you did for us, the man you were, and what you meant to the community and the A's fan base. So we'll always love you. We're rooting for you. Good luck the rest of the season. <laughs> man, it just gave me chills right there. Uh, thank you for the kind words. I mean, appreciate it. Appreciate you and you know the fans. So, um, yeah, love you guys. Take care. This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they have an offer where you can get 20% off. Go to linksoul.com. Remember in the big leagues, look good, play good. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.